Hi, this is Dr. Darwin, the new dentist coach with another episode of Ask Dr. Darwin, where you ask questions about your oral health care, about getting into dental school, about being a dental student, about life after dental school, whether it be residency or working uh, in the profession of dentistry. You ask those questions and we get those answers to you. Uh, please be sure to share and also like and give me comments to each and every episode, especially uh, this one, subscribe. And I will be posting new episodes every Monday and Thursday. So turn on your notifications when you subscribe on YouTube, my YouTube channel, which is Ask, I'm sorry, with my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Darwin Speaks. Today, we have another episode, another episode of Careers in Dentistry. And we are joined by a super, super, superstar dentist uh, that is an oral surgeon, oral and masculofacial surgeon, Dr. Uh, Calhoun out of California. Dr. Calhoun, thanks so much for joining us today. Or do, joining it is me. my pleasure, Dr. Darwin. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. So we're going to learn today on how to become an oral masculofacial surgeon. That's right. That's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn that from Dr. Calhoun today. So, Doc, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Introduce yourself to us. Okay. So, my name is Kolanya Calhoun. Um, I actually grew up in Michigan, went to uh, school of dentistry at the University of Michigan. Um, went to residency at Martin Luther King Hospital in Los Angeles. Thought I would go back to Michigan or the South and fell in love with California and not necessarily the weather either. <laughs> it was the people. Um, and the diversity of people um, after being on faculty. Well, actually, I did a PhD at UCLA. And then after that, um, became a part of Martin Luther King faculty. We transitioned our sponsorship to Harbor UCLA Medical Center, which is in Torrance, California, still serving the same population. Um, about 2014, I became the program director of the oral and maxillofacial surgery program. And then two years later, two years later, I became the division chief of the uh, basically all of dental services for Harbor UCLA Medical Center. Wow. Wow. So uh, sounds like you have a lot of uh, responsibility. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did not have that plan. That's My plan right. To research be an uh, uh, instructor that everyone loved to go to the OR with and help someone else develop their vision. Um, but I guess some of my mentors saw some gifts in me and started pulling out and, and it worked out that when we it was needed, I was able to step up. So that's glad. right. Oh, that's great. So explain a little bit about um, your training. How long is your training to be a oral maxillofacial surgeon? Well, for me, um, I chose to attend a four year residency training program. And the reason I did that, and I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think you just have to figure out what your um, path was. I knew I had an interest in academics. And so originally I was uh, focusing on a six-year program, but after uh, not matching the first time, because I kind of limited my Michigan, um, I got a lot of great advice from the program that was a six-year program that I did my internship. Um, and they uh, suggested that I consider a different route, which would be to pursue a four-year program and also consider pursuing a PhD. And so that's kind of how I got that direction. Um, so my residency program was only four years. The good thing about four-year programs is that you get all of your surgical experience um, in a uh, concentrated uh, where you don't really necessarily have a point because a lot of complaints that four-year, uh, I mean, the six-year programs uh, residents had was that they had to relearn surgery after they went off to medical school since a lot of times they were just basically interns running SCUD. 
Um, although for me, I still didn't end up doing something similar with the PhD. So I had the same complaint of after completing three years of residency, I did my PhD or at least started it my first two years and then I came back and finished up. But the good thing is, you know, it's just like riding a bike after you've done it. You know, you might take a break and you come back, and you're able to step back into that. So my training for oral surgery residency was four years. My PhD took a lot longer because I decided to do a benchtop research and you can't just do observational. You have to have some results and most of the time the results have to be positive. So it took me about eight years, but I was able to come on as faculty during my last couple of years of my PhD program. Did you say eight years for a PhD? Yeah, <laughs> but I will tell you, my, my bench top work ended at, at um, in five years. Okay. One of the things with, um, uh, well, I just needed to work. And so after that, I basically accepted the faculty position, but the, put the writing portion on hold. Um, sometimes when you're in, I mean, when you're doing your PhD, if you're working with someone that is strictly research without a clinical component, it can kind of have a different viewpoint of what your focus should be on. So we had some, we had to work on what my thesis really was supposed to look like as far as my, my PI and myself, because he wasn't a clinician. And so finally we were able to come to some agreement with some mediation with one of my co-mentors who also was, she's a clinician as well as a, um, a researcher. And um, so kind of two years were in limbo. So it wasn't like it took, a straight eight years. It just took some time for me to work and some time for us to work on out what I actually would be um, writing in my thesis. Right, right. Because I was just doing the math here. Four years of undergrad, four years of, of dental school, four years of oral surgery training. That's 12 plus off and on the period of time, eight years for your PhD. <laughs> and I counted 20. So I was like, wow. Yeah, well, a lot of those concurrent, though. Okay. Uh, Two years were during my third year of residency. Okay. So the additional years, really it's 12 years. The additional years were really for your PhD time and getting together your, your topic and your thesis, correct? Yes. Yeah. So as an oral surgeon, what's what's your typical day like? And I know you you wear many different hats right now in your current uh, role as a program director for oral surgery and then also as the uh, division and section chief. Um, but typically, what's your what's your typical day like? So my typical day is we do a, a fair amount of general anesthetics where we uh, uh, perform small procedures like dental velar implants. And actually, one of my favorite areas is in anesthesia because I love the, the, that real combination of medicine and, and dentistry. And so my typical day is supervising that on a morning and then in the afternoon, I usually have one to two scheduled meetings and probably a couple of unscheduled meetings <laughs> and that usually is at either the um the staff level the, the division level or the um the department level and in some cases the county level because as a kind of a group um, between usc and some of the other county facilities in los angeles we the dentists actually have a group where we try to um, standardize things that we're doing over the county level and so my typical day is clinic in the morning and the afternoon is our meetings okay okay now what what are some of the procedures when you're in clinic what are some of the procedures that you're uh, routinely performing or maybe not even routinely just just overall what type of procedures are you doing so our routine procedures are obviously um 
extracting teeth a lot. Most of the time they're surgical extractions by the time they get to us from either an outside dentist or even from our own hospital dentist. And we do perform a fair amount of implants, um, mostly dental, but we also have maybe like uh, 5%, 5 to 10% of our implants are maxillofacial implants, whether they're zygomatic implants um, or uh, implants to retain uh, uh, other prostheses from resections from cancer, from ENT or plastics um, or ophthalmology even. Um, and then our typical, my, as far as typical procedures in the OR, for me, my, my passion is uh, dealing with the unknown. So I like the pathology and the trauma. Um, but we do have a broad scope in our program. We're fortunate that even though we're, I would call us small but mighty, because we don't necessarily have the largest uh, full-time staff, but we have so many committed um, part-time and volunteer staff. So we do a, a fair amount of pathology. We do a fair amount of trauma. Um, we do, I want a lot of trauma, a fair amount of um, TMJ. And we have started to incorporate more craniofacial because we have two faculty that specifically train in craniofacial, um, which includes, you know, something as small as cleft of the palate orthomatic surgery, obstructive sleep apnea as well. And then we have added on more recently cosmetics. Um, so we've been able to increase our scope a lot more than the West Coast usually allows because you know, there's a lot more competition for that cosmetics uh, component. But our one of our faculty, um, well, we have two ways of you being able to practice cosmetics. One of our faculty is dual degree, so they have an MD, and they did a, a cosmetics fellowship. And then our other old surgeon actually obtained the cosmetics permit. So as long as you are doing those procedures and they're proctored, you can get a permit to perform them. So we have two avenues in which we can perform cosmetics as well. Um, the only thing that we don't do as much of is our malignancies, but if they do, it's usually adonogenic in origin or um, or if they don't require neck resection. So I even have done lip, lip resections for squamous cell since they don't necessarily spread and require um, neck dissections. But anything requires a neck dissection, then we usually just give it to EMT. Okay. Yeah, I got you. All right. Cool. So with those different type of procedures and, and those, um, even with your duties and and other responsibilities. What's what are your work hours? My work hours. <laughs> well, first of all, if it's above eight to ten, then it's usually self-imposed because <laughs> in the morning thinking of things and getting on the computer. Um, and even sometimes on my day off, I give everybody my cell phone because I just can't help. But, and I guess it's because it's my passion. I don't feel like I'm working right. perfectly honest. The only time I feel like I'm working is when I'm problem solving with staff issues right. or something that somebody didn't email or whatever. But when it comes down to uh, setting that vision, which I think that's what a division chief is, is that they're setting the vision mm -hmm. and came from me um, uh, feeling passionate about what the residents uh, feedback was as far as their training was concerned, um, that my hours can range probably on average 10 to 12 hours. And then occasionally I do things, you know, because I feel like I sometimes work 24 hours a day because my brain is always working mm -hmm. and I, my breaks now. So I do have a day off in addition to the weekends um, so that I can, you know, have a regular life as well. Right, right. So as an oral surgeon, what's what's typically the, the range for salary uh, within the profession? And I know it's maybe a little different for you because uh, you have some other uh, administrative duties and responsibility that may add on to a, you know, a range of a, a salary, but what's, what's typically the range for most oral surgeons? 
So I would separate it from academics and private practice. The okay. range for academics is 150,000 to maybe 450-ish. Um, and that kind of depends on it, what kind of faculty practice. So for me in a county facility, ours is on that lower end because we don't currently have a faculty practice, but that is actually something that our alumni are working on right now so okay. that we can be more competitive. Um, but frankly, most places don't necessarily have a, a high starting faculty practice when you first come in. So the range is probably 100 to 250 for that uh, initial uh, position. Um, outside, it's so much more. It's usually above 500,000. Most of my residents come out making, you know, doing really well in their first year. I think that the trend is moving from a sole uh, uh, practice, a solo practice, or even a group practice to more of independent contracting, especially out in, in the California area. Um, we used to frown upon independent contracting because then you really did not have a specific facility that you could ensure that everything is up to standard. But I think that has changed so much because that's becoming more prevalent. And basically, oil surgeons are trying to take back with corporate dentistry um, has tended to be where it's a business and you have um, non-dentists and non-oil surgeons telling you what you need to do. And now the oil surgeons are kind of taking that back. And so they're kind of making it where it's not be working for a specific um, organization, but that you work with local dentists and build those relationships so that you can go to their offices and don't necessarily um, buy your practice. So I have a couple of faculty members that want to come on full time and they're having a hard time selling their practice because it's changed so much, at least out in the West Coast, where no one wants to buy a practice or not that many people, I should say. Yeah. And I know, I think that trend is happening in other specialties like uh, endo, endodontics yes, as well, yes, yeah. where a lot of practitioners are finding it just as lucrative, um, maybe not even having their own practice, mm -hmm. but actually being an uh, independent contractor where they are traveling, so to speak, and they have right, exactly. their traveling uh, bag of, 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 uh, of, of <laughs> surgery and tips and advice. Right, right, right. I mean, everything is just right there and they travel. So I think that's, it's interesting to hear that that trend is also kind of um, oh, yeah. drifting into, uh, into oral surgery as well. Be Even where they're traveling with their meds and all that stuff. It's like, that's a lot of things in emergency equipment. Yeah. yeah, it is. Like concierge uh, or surgeon. I mean, you have in the back of your your uh, your van, you got everything Pretty right much. there. Right? I mean, everything's right there. So question, um, knowing right. what you know now, it's been 12, 8, Let's see, about 20 years, you've been practicing, training and everything. Knowing what you know now, what would you do differently, if anything? I think I would have accepted more feedback, even if it didn't come in the package that I would have liked. I would say I, I'm, I was pretty good at trying to make lim, uh, lemonade on lemons, but um, but sometimes I wanted to fly beneath the radar rather than just really accepting the criticisms that I got from my attending staff and even accepting things that I didn't necessarily agree with, at least consider it. And so that's one of the things I encourage my residents because I was a little on the hard head side, I won't lie. Um, and I think part of that is surgeon's mentality of thinking you're <laughs> a person. Um, but a lot of things, even when my chairman used to tell me all the time, you're going to be a director one day, you're going to be a chair. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and I think if I had accepted some of the um, uh, observations and at right. least considered them earlier on, I probably would have been program director um, maybe six years ago because I was already doing everything. But mm -hmm. I just 
stay focused on actually accepting that because I had another plan for my life. And then I probably would have been chairman earlier. And even though it's a, I'm still relatively young for having both those positions, I would have been in at least one of those for maybe five to 10 years before. I mean, a lot earlier if gotcha. I had listened to that feedback sooner. So listening to f- feedback and maybe doing some more reflection at the time, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Yes. Good, good, good. No, that's not what I want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that leads me into the, the next question as far as advice. What advice do you have for people who are uh, aspiring dentists and they, you know, they're in, whether they're in school now or they're applying to school and they, and they know, or they have a feeling that maybe they want to become an oral surgeon. What, what advice would you give them? I would say, first of all, and I think that comes back to what I said is a self-awareness. There is a book that I've read, but I've lived my life that way, even though I didn't know there was a book that described it. And it's called Grit by Angela Duxworth. And not letting someone else's uh, uh, restrictions direct you. So even though you, it's good to, I think there's a, um, there's a proverb that says, in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. And I think it's important to have counsel, but in the end, you have to know who you are and you have to be driven by that. And the reason I said is I was discouraged from pursuing sciences in junior mm. high. I said, well, you can sing. Why would you want to do, why would you want to be a dentist? And I had to ignore that. Because mm-hmm. I knew what was in me, you know, pursue dentistry. When I uh, was was in college, I did have more encouragement then. But as soon as I got to dental school, the first thing that most of my instructors would say is, "How would you? How do you know you're going to get into oral surgery?" Because I had DDS already on my license plate before I got into dental school, which they thought it was arrogant. But it was my way of speaking, in you know, I basically speaking myself into a position that I knew I was I was going to do. Whether I was 100 years old by the time I was able to achieve it, it was in my mind it was going to happen. Right. If you have that kind of grit, recognizing your weaknesses. So I didn't say I was going to be an oral surgeon and I didn't have to study. And even though I wasn't in the top 10, I, I knew my stuff. And mm-hmm. so they classmates would be like, well, how is it that you're not in the top 10? Because as far as they're concerned, I was the one answering all the questions. I just hadn't gotten good at taking multiple choice tests, which then reflected in my scores. Right. But um, I was I was driven enough that I wouldn't let anything stop me. And so I think if you know yourself, and that you pursue passionately what you feel like you're called to do, always still being open to mentorship and direction, but never letting somebody kill your dream. And then doing what you need to do to get there. So you can't just say, I want to be an old surgeon, I'm passionate, I'll take a lot of teeth, because that may not be your weakness. Your weakness might be academic, so sit down and study. And if that means study eight hours in the evening, then that's what you have to do. And that's basically what I had to do. I I wasn't going to just wake up and know everything because that was just not how I learned. Right. So put it out there, speak it into existence and then get it done by any means necessary. That's what it sounds like. Pretty much. What, pretty what, was, much. what was the name of the book again that, that you mentioned? It's called Grit, G-R-I-T. Okay. By Angela Duxworth. And actually one of my residents who we, we like to um, choose unconventional residents and it was clear when I spoke to him the first time on interview that he was not going to pursue old surgery as his love of his life in and of itself but it was clear that he had a vision in using that for something for something more right and we thought he would bring something different to the table for our program was one of the best surgeons one of the best instructors even though he could do without most of the surgery except for implants and sedation (laughs) that was way Form of revenue for him to do some other broad scope and global medical um, okay. uh, things. 
And so, um, but because of that, and, and I say that just because I think that we put ourselves in such a box, that we should kind of be open to opportunities that avail itself. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he taught me more, I think, than I probably taught him, even though he was my resident. And that was one of the books that he was like, this is what describes what you believe. And maybe this is how you have to look at residents and how you even accept residents, that it's not just grades, it's grit. I think grit, grit you know, she describes that really well, that, that persistence, you know, pays off more than talent. Wow. I love it. I love it. All right. So look, this gets me to the last couple of questions. And these are these four four questions we ask everybody. Four questions okay. we ask everyone on the episode. All right. So question number one, what's your favorite day of the week? Friday. <laughs> All right. Why Friday? Why? why Friday? It is not because it's the end of the week. <laughs> we have our didactics. And as you can tell, I like to talk, but I love the dialogue that we have about going over cases okay. and it being a less stressful environment than being in the OR or being in the clinic and doing procedures, but just really tying all that together. Right. And then, also, you know, um, you, you're winding down, too. And so you can kind of think about what you're doing on the weekend, because I do like to get in my residence head. And I, I say I'm the grandmother of all of, the, of all of their children. And I babysit them. So I like Fridays because that sets me up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So Fridays, we got to vote for Friday. What's your favorite food? Favorite food. Favorite food. I didn't know. I didn't think seafood, 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 seafood. Well, that's good. You're in LA. You're by the water too. So that that's perfect for you. All right. What's your favorite procedure or or task that you do? Well, you know, um, first, can I have two answers for that? Of course. Okay. Surgically, I love pathology. I love dealing with the unknown, getting around mm. structures and vessels and not necessarily having it just, you know, where I know I'm going to move something three millimeters like you would with the orthognathic surgery. And then outside of that, really strategic planning. I I mean, that is when I feel most alive. I feel like I'm the puppet master. <laughs> or at least that's what I enjoy doing is moving chess pieces. Okay, so I need to do this to get this. This is where we need to go to get this. And so I I didn't know how much I love that. I do know that too. Nice, nice. Strategic planning. Awesome. Okay. And what's your favorite uh, activity outside of work? Okay. So um, home improvement, because contractors are are, are, are (laughs) shite. Well, let's put it this way. I'd like to know what I'm asking someone else to do. So then I end up learning how to do it myself. Right. Right. And um, singing. I still do some singing. That's right. Um, Mentoring, because I think I I like to mentor in all areas. So whether it's singing, whether it's surgery, whether it's administrative, I love mentoring my dental assistants. Some of them have a lot of extra talents and, you know, I, yeah, it'd be easy for me to just keep them into my dental clinic if they're really good dental assistants. But if I see something else in them, one, one finished her PhD in psychology because it was clear that she was a great dental assistant. She needed to do something where she had more control over her, her career and her future and her life. So I love mentoring in all aspects, whatever that means. Okay. I got you. Oh, awesome. All right. So look, uh, any projects, you have any projects that you're currently working on that you want to share with us? Well, we're, we're looking to expand our um, services and it's, it's far, and, and this is a personal project 
Um, again, because trying to be the best little program in the country is a task because people assume, you know, just because you're four years, you only take two residents. Oh, you don't, you don't need to do all that. But some of the things we're trying to do is uh, build a better CE program. And part of that for me is an online uh, review course mm-hmm. as as um, a faculty practice, which I'm working with some of the alumni who are trying to either donate a physical building. Um, so because, you know, when you're working in, in, in an underserved area, you don't necessarily have a thriving private practice because there is going to be the same patients. And so we're trying to find a way to do both and also provide opportunity for the residents to do some moonlighting if they're in good standing. Um, so those are my projects. And then hiring of uh, <laughs> specifically someone that can assist me being a program director and if not being one, uh, which we're working on that now so that I can do some more research because I, I don't want to waste my PhD because I love basic science research. And I think that oral surgeons, one of the things that I admire about um, periodontists is that they are very involved in oral surgery. I mean, in research, probably more than all the other specialties combined. And I think the only way for us to stay relevant is that we replace ourselves because we're the ones that are actually innovating. So that's why I want to get back into research. And I haven't, I was doing some corneal research and still hopefully will, where we're taking mucosal cells and using it for corneal transplants. Oh, wow. Ophthalmologist. So, um, but that's in this early stages for my involvement because gotcha. I was not um, involved in as much. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. So it sounds like you got some real great, uh, interesting projects going on. Uh, one of your favorites, mentoring, we're actually going to be having you uh, this summer uh, as a panelist to uh, one of the uh, uh, the SNDA, SNDA New Dentist panel. You'll get a chance mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure, reach out to several dental students uh, that, mm-hmm. that are interested in becoming oral surgeons. And you'll be one of the, uh, if, if not the first or second uh, networking contacts for them uh, to serve as a, a as a future mentor. So that'll be great. I'm so glad we're going to be uh, working together this summer at the uh, SNDA uh, New Dentist Panel, SNDA NDA New Dentist Panel. Right. Uh, in, in I'm Orlando. excited. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. And you're going to be celebrating a birthday too. I, re- I remember. <laughs> right? Are you, are you celebrating? No. You to... Huh? I said that, that you don't need to remind me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So look, Dr. Calhoun, how, how, how can people get in contact with you? They have questions, uh, whether it's about your program, about becoming an oral surgeon. Mm-hmm. I mean, just women in dentistry. Like what? How, how can people get in contact with you? So the best way to contact me is through email. And my email is ccalhoun at e as in dog, h as in Harry, s as in sam, dot lacounty.gov. Um, you can also check out my website because the website also, I think, still links to my email in case you um, are a- unable to reach me or forget the email. And the easiest way to do that is just to Google my name. So Google Colonia Colony Plus and A, Calhoun. And if you put DDS PhD, the Harbor UCLA website pops up. So even if you're interested in hospital dentistry, you can get through that link to look at our faculty, look at our education, including what we recommend for the residents, as well as um, um, uh, looking at our alumni information, because we do have alumni and newsletter that comes out every two-ish years or so, um, since I'm the one that does it. So it's it's, been, it's slowed down a little bit till I finish electing a uh, editor-in-chief other than myself. That's right. Um, but give you a flavor of our program and um, what we are what we are all about. Nice, nice. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, for joining us today. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, probably got 
four or five things going off on the side of, of your head at the same time, but I, I appreciate you sharing uh, this particular career in dentistry and your, your specialty area and what you do. So thanks so much, Doc. I appreciate you. My pleasure. My pleasure. And if you out there, if you guys have questions or if you want to hear topics uh, more specific that you want us to bring on, shoot me an email at newdentistcoach at gmail.com, newdentistcoach and gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe and share this and also give me, give me some feedback. Give us some comments. We love to hear your feedback and see how we're doing and how you like today's episode. So again, Dr. Calhoun, thank you so much and we'll see you soon. Thanks. Okay. All right. Thanks. Oh, thank you.